Oh my goodness, I am so bright over here. Ladies and gentlemen, I know that I look a lot different. That is the new MacBook. Man, I don't know about what y'all see, but it look like I'm in HD over here. Hey, hey, I look a little different. I got the fresh cut and everything. Welcome back. Welcome back. What's that song? Welcome back. Dun, 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 dun. Hey, Mike, JD <laughs> made us all cry. Wait, 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 wait. How did JD make you cry? I need to know. What'd you do, JD? He doesn't know. He does not know what it is that he's done. So it sounds like you might be having a midlife crisis or something like that. So uh, good attempt. Good attempt. Welcome back to the show, guys. Oh, yeah, my testimony. I shared my testimony on Discord on Saturday oh. night. Oh, okay. That makes sense then. Yeah. That makes sense. A lot of people was broken on that one, huh? So yeah, I don't know Jay's well, testimony. Neither will you. <laughs> By the way, if you haven't noticed, we are having a little bit of a delay tonight. Uh, it will be fixed uh, soon. It's definitely something that we are aware of and we knowing, but we know about. But just uh, give us the benefit of the doubt when JD is waiting to answer me. It's like uh, when you're watching the news and stuff, and it's like, all right, John, and you just wait in a moment. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what's happening. So the bad news is that um, my router got destroyed. Um, so yeah, that was fun. So I'm using a very slow router at the moment. So thank you for uh, bearing with us while we speak like a couple of uh, slow children. <laughs> yeah, it's understandable. So I'll try my best to like kind of predict when he's coming in. People be like, Mike, why do you cut off JD? It's because we're on a delay and I'd be trying to time myself and I catch it wrong. I haven't learned JD that well yet. I mean, I, I feel like I got him down pretty well when I see an end coming, but I'm still working on it. So sometimes I'm like, oh, he's about to he's about to throw me the alley-oop right here. And then I jump in <laughs> and it and no, he wasn't. He wasn't finna throw yeah. an alley-oop in those moments. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. I'm working on it. It's, it's, it's something I'm working on, but tonight's episode, they're dying by the way, at your pronunciation of a router. Uh, they are making fun of you because of your accent. And I feel like that's a little unfair. Uh, it's not his fault. He sounds Australian. Router. Do you guys say router? <laughs> it's clearly a router. <laughs> so my, my daughter was actually asking today uh what do south africans sound like and i said oh, i can answer this one and i said it's like british and australians coming together and they don't eat cookies they eat biscuits um but yeah welcome back to the show if this is your first time joining us this is how we begin our show we laugh we have fun uh for everybody watching on tiktok you can come over to youtube and hang out with us the live chat is available we're going to be diving into the bible today and tonight's episode uh jd definitely um had a good point off air when we were talking and he kind of wanted to have this episode to build up because a lot of things that have been going on have been bringing people down. Um, and really, you know, let's be honest. It has been a, like, just think about the beginning of this year. Can we just talk about the beginning of this year before we even yeah. talk about the faith JD? We've got Iran just literally bombed Americans, and I don't do that. We're not going to do talks like, uh-oh, end of the world. But I do think that it is very important to note when one of the powers of the world, like Iran, literally 
kills American soldiers, right? So that's got to make the the normal person paying attention to the world with the war in Israel, with the war in Ukraine. On top of that, the earthquakes, the floods, the crazy things going on. On top of that, an outpouring of crazy prophetic people. And look, someone said, wait, what? So some people don't even know about this yet. Um, Iran uh, had a drone attack on American soldiers. Uh, America's not responding because we don't want a war with Iran. And, you know, I guess they're playing the whole game of it was an accident. I don't know the details enough. All I know is Iran fired and Americans died. So that's, you want information on that? Like I said, y'all can go dig deeper on that. But what I am pointing out is with all these things, it's been some down weeks. Like even when we try and be up for our podcast, we're talking about subjects like defending the Trinity on basic fundamental information that every Christian should have. I mean, our goal this year was what, JD? The very first episode, we said back to the basics this year. Let's drive home the fundamentals. We shouldn't have to do that. And every time someone has to do that in the Bible, Paul is like not happy saying like, we got to go back to milk. You should be a teacher now. In fact, the, the, the author of Hebrew says, by now you should be teaching but I have to go back to milk for you, right? So like, it's not good that we are going into the basics. I love that we are, so I don't get me wrong, but it's not a good thing that we're getting back to the basics. What do you think, JD? Has yeah. this been like one of the most stressful beginning of a year's uh, uh, that you could see happening spiritually? Wow, like that's an under, gross underestimation of, of what's been happening in the world. And and not just not just the world, but within the body of Christ. Like we speak and 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 we get to know people personally on on this on this platform. We get to become friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. And then you start hearing of the struggles your brothers and sisters are going through, um, health wise, financially, um, and having your hands tied where whereby you 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 can't really do much you can't really you can't do anything other than pray um so in 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 a sense of our faith has been really tested early on this year and you know it's it's imperative like i say that that you reach out to your brothers and sisters and check up on one another check up on one another because just in the last few days the the messages i've received um and just having conversations with mike off air there there are close brothers and sisters that are that are really really struggling um at the moment um so again um i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say this um and whoever wants to snip it can snip it but those who, who who are able to to help financially with the ministry fund, um, it's it's looking bleak at the moment across across the board in terms of 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 Bibles, in terms of being able to reach others. Um, it is it is bleak at the moment. So if you have got extra and you know you've got extra, then we would appreciate the help. Again, I'm not saying give mm-hmm. give. percent of everything you own to the church that's that's not what we're saying yeah um and you know with mike's permission i'm just saying this again if you are able to to help all of the cash app paypal details are all in mike's bio um Mm -hmm. and again this this is not this is not uh jd and mike's private let's go party fund you there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that we never mention online um Purely because we're not looking for clout. We're not looking for a tap on the back. We're not looking to, you know, hey, well done. 
Uh, that's that's not what anyone here is looking for. So if you if you are able to give to the ministry, if you're able to send in Bibles, if you are able to help with you know uh, tools, um, ministering tools, whatever mm-hmm. books, whatever you are able to help with, this is um, this is a plea from my side. Just uh, just looking at at the world that we that we are facing right now we have got a lot of people that reach out and and need assistance and it's 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 heartbreaking when you can't help when you can't help knowing that we've got such a vast community that um are all brothers and sisters in christ so again i i'm i'm not not trying to manipulate you or tell you this is how much you have to give in order to be blessed by god but if you are in a position where you can help someone that is less fortunate then um we we would really really appreciate it um that's that's the Amen. the Absolutely. only thing I'm so yeah. um i mean I, so i will tell you this then we can kind of make this like a little tcm uh, uh, uh not just an encouragement and re- rejoicing episode but just sharing some information about what's going on at the ministry because a lot of you are every day uh you know not every day every week listeners you're here twice a week uh so to what jd was saying i will be announcing some stuff coming up soon i plan on trying to host some type of incredible uh giveaway that also brings money in because right now i have two major requests and when i so I'm, this is how i categorize them in my head major requests means like uh medical homelessness like these severe like we need it now so i have two of those and then i have one in my head of that is a necessity for the podcast um as far as our internet goes jd's already made that aware we've got some issues on his side of things um and then i've got some a couple sub things and right now the ministry fund has about I think about $2,000 and that might sound like a lot to younger people, but my old heads in here that just heard what we have on the wish list and what we have to spend, <laughs> you get it. Um, and honestly, uh, when this ministry becomes a nonprofit this year, which it will, a lot of the people that you've seen in discord are going to be on the board. I'm sure that they're aware of this. I think they haven't put two and two together that you've played such a part that you will be on the board, uh, which means you'll be in charge. Like I won't be once this becomes a nonprofit, I will literally lose all the power of it. Uh, The board will be in charge. Um, But yeah, right now it's just me doing it also, which slows us down. So just letting you know what JD's basically saying is there are a lot of people that have some serious needs. Um, And that's what we're. Yeah aiming to be able to do this year and try and bless people. And the reason why there's money in the fund is because I never like to spend it all until we know where we can push it. So right now I'm trying to turn a couple loaves into a lot. <laughs> so we just need to ask the Lord so you could pray. And cause he always, I yeah. told JD before we went live, he always provides, right? I, I just, Amen. all I ask is that you guys pray, hit the share button. Like, I don't think you guys realize this. So right now YouTube brings us a hundred dollars a month, right? It's nothing, but it's more than my wife always teaches me. Uh, be thankful in the little, little things, right? So that $100 a month can go towards the ministry. That means in one year, we can help somebody with $1,000 or 1200 to be exact. Taxes. Who knows? But my point is that means you're sharing, hitting that share button, that like button can bump that algorithm up. And then you don't even have to give us, uh, give the ministry help. You're helping by just sharing. So just want to throw it out there. Um, but yeah, so I will keep you guys updated when those times come, when we get up there, because it's coming up in the next couple of weeks of, who we need to help and and that information. But you know, GD, where you were talking, I feel like 
the Lord put it on my heart. I'm going to use a cliche term. The Lord put it on my heart. I think a great thing to read tonight. And hear me out. Hebrews 11 and 12. And here's why. Going into a year like this, what better way to encourage faith than going back first? Going back to the beginning of the those that walked by faith and the examples that we know that God will never, they all of them went through things and God never let them down. So I don't think he's about to start letting us down today. And what a great chapter to dive into with the way that this year is unrolling and what we're doing. Uh, Jennifer, by the way, I see your comments. I don't normally respond to comments, but that is a very important thing. So I would love it if you could reach out to me or email me or whatever, or email me just so I have your email, because that is something I have no experience in. So I will be needing people that have a passion for this, that want to help the ministry. So I see you. Just know I see you and we will need to talk in some way. Don't know how. Figure it out. Um, but yeah, JD, I don't know about you. You think I think diving into Hebrews 11 sounds like a great place to dive into. Yeah, because from there you can go to multiple, multiple places. So yeah, absolutely. Why Amen. not? I love it because this is listen, guys. I, I love Hebrews 11 and I love Hebrews 12. If you know these two chapters, then I guarantee you. I guarantee you, you've recognized the words I've said and how I quote this often, even when I'm not quoting it often, if that makes sense. I think this is a strong passage. Uh, so if you're not familiar, this is known as the faith chapter, right? Like most Christians that have some type of Christian upbringing or teaching, if you were to say the faith chapter to them, like, oh, okay, Hebrews 11, because it's going to go into faith. But what's beautiful about this is the faith in the action. James says faith completes, I mean, um, his Abraham's works completed his faith or made his faith complete. And we see a lot of that here in Hebrews chapter 11. Amen. You want to, you want me to ask, you want me to start it off or you want it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it, bro. Hit All it. right. Hit now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks Oh, sorry. He still speaks by faith. Oh, let me stop there, actually, because we're about to keep going into people. So I want to go back. I thought this is the part in Hebrews where it talks about Cain's blood um, speaking which from the from the ground. But that's not it. But uh, going back, not Cain, Abel, Abel's blood. Going back, though, we see that it says for by it, talking about faith. The people of old received their commendation. And we know in scripture it talks about, you know, uh, saved by faith and through faith. And it says that, you know, they were saved by faith and we were we are saved through faith. And here's just listen to my own personal feelings on how this can really be described. So Abraham, Noah, Moses, David, they were said, trust me and do this. And then they did it. And by faith, they were saved. Today. Jesus says, trust me, I'll do this. And he does it. So through faith, I'm saved because he does the action. Noah had to build the ark. So his faith led him to building the ark. Uh, uh, Moses had to go stand in front of Pharaoh. He had to go do these things. His faith had to drive that. By faith, they were saved because they went out and, and they followed him by faith. Through faith, 
we are saved because it's not by our actions following our faith, but rather our belief in Christ following our faith. So that's just my opinion in that little, I, I, some people see that by faith through faith and they're like, what does that mean? Why is it by and through? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever come across that JD. I love, I love verse three by faith. We understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Mm. So Again, when it comes to these, and, and this is just a quick sidetrack, and, and obviously the apologetic side of me always kicks in when we read Hebrews. So when it comes to the, the age of the earth, the shape of the earth, and all of these these things that people like to bring up as, as a salvific issue, which clearly isn't, um, we see uh, by faith we understand that the world as we can see it was created by Jesus Christ. Confirming what Paul says to us in Colossians. God the oh, Father and Christ the Son, we see that that working together, that, that perfect harmony where Jesus says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. We see this perfect harmony between and this relationship that we see between Father and Son. And Paul says, all things were created by him and for him and through him. John says the same thing to us. So looking at, at when we see, when we look at creation, as we can see it, as we can understand it in our finite minds, we know that by faith, we believe when Genesis says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is what we know. And again, as Romans 1 says, through God has made himself known. And his eternal power known to all mankind through things visible as well as invisible. You cannot see gravity. You can't see logic. But we know we're driven by logic. We know that we have to breathe. You can't see oxygen. Yet your lungs expand and detract. These are the things that God has made known to mankind. So uh, just a beautiful way to, to, to be reminded that everything we see in the physical was created by the God of heaven, not, not some spontaneous matter colliding with no matter and <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I love the way that the scripture, uh, I mean, that my lexicon actually defines the word for faith, which is going to be pistis. So this is your pi it's these uh so it's faith and belief or trust but then it breaks it down even more it says uh generally of the leaning of the entire human personality upon god or the messiah in absolute trust and confidence in his power wisdom and goodness i love that definition of faith like if you want to ask me what i mean by faith saves the leaning of the entire human personality upon god or the Messiah, which is kind of synonymous there, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. It's not just, yeah. I got a thought in my head. Like, I'm just being honest with you. Anybody in America can say, I have faith and nobody questions it. How many people can stand up in front of their friends and family and say, I lean my entire personality upon God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. And someone's not gonna be like, do you? You do? Yeah. I I don't I don't I don't see that. I'm just saying yeah. we water down what faith really means. And that's the people that have the, the 
people talk about, can you lose your salvation? And many of you have heard me say true faith endures. And people ask about the true faith. That's true faith. So why would that endure? Well, that person leans their entire existence on a God and his perfect goodness. And seeing that we all believe that God can't fail. If anyone does this, gives their entire all to the one who can't fail, why would they then take it back? You get what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's like, listen to me. Giving back your salvation is like floating down on a parachute and unbuckling it. I don't care how crazy that person is. If they really jumped and let God catch them, you're not unbuckling it. You're floating yeah. down because he's got you now. That's the dumbest Amen. thing I've ever heard. So if someone unbuckles it, they don't believe the ground's real. Their faith, <laughs> they don't, you know you know what I'm saying? I'm, I've been trying to say this and I don't know why people don't hear me. If someone walks away, yeah. they don't really believe it because no one would know would walk into hell knowingly. You don't believe it. You didn't stop believing it. You just it just came to light that you never did. And, and that's why we need to make sure we understand what that word faith is. Let's get back into when we're going to see it start going through some people. Right. So by faith, we see Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. And I love that Bizzle points this out in his song. Even though it doesn't tell us specifically what was given, we know that it looks like uh, Abel gave a lamb because he tended the flock, so he would have given it a lamb. And we know that Cain uh, provided the works of his hands, right? So uh, the the work of the hand of a sinner was not taken. The perfect lamb presented was, a little foreshadow. And then God, it says... Uh, a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, Man. he was commended as having pleased God. You got something, J.D.? No, no, no. Just said amen. You were amening? Sorry. Okay. And then here's the one I want you all to hear. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. If someone hmm. is putting their faith in themselves, God's not pleased in how they serve him. I, I, I'm, I'm just, the scripture says, Romans 12 says that your spiritual worship, if I can get it over there. I love how fast this new computer is, by the way. Um, Romans 12, Paul says, our spiritual worship is this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Did Paul say one of your versions of worship? Does Paul say an option that you have for worship, worshiping God? is giving your life to him because there's nothing he actually needs from you. Like you're not able to actually provide God with something that he's like, I've been waiting for this JD. Like I really needed you to find this acorn for me. It's really beautiful. No, he wants you to have faith in him and trust him. And if you don't have faith and trust in him, you can't please him. You can't make him happy. You can't make him smile. Nothing about what your actions matter. Romans eight says, if you set your mind on the flesh, you can't even please God. Same thing we see right here. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So all you yeah. people out there that are legalists, that don't trust in the saving work of God, I know that you think you love him. 
because you really convinced yourself on this one. But if you're not trusting in him to be the savior, are you really glorifying him or are you glorifying yourself? Amen. Amen. And this is exactly why when people invite me to uh, live debate over water baptism, I'm like, no, thanks. Uh, I'll pass. Um, because, again, I'm not arguing with children over, over whether or not water saves you. That, that anyone who, who relies on baptismal regeneration, they tell me without telling me that they've never read the Bible or they've never fully understood what eternal security is. I don't like um, either side it, of that argument, though, J.D., because the yeah. people even wanting to argue about baptism, I'm just like, how about this? How about we all just get baptized and go out and serve God? Like, why are we talking about salvation and baptism? I've been saved. Can I go get yeah. in the water and go serve God now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I forget. Either, I either side. This is, this is the conversation we have. Yeah. Either side of the fence is, is a ridiculous argument. Jesus Christ said, get baptized. So go ahead and get baptized. Um, yeah. And ultimately... Um, if you don't want to get baptized, tell me why you don't want to get baptized. But hey, if but, you don't want to get baptized, just be ready to talk to God about that. I, I'm not your daddy. What does Romans 14 say, JD? He said, just one must be convinced in his own mind for we will all give an account. My job is just to make yeah. sure that you're convinced in your own mind. I never tell no, we not, none of us ever tell anybody what to believe. We just want to make sure, are you truly convinced in your mind? Because we want to make sure that when you stand before him, you can't play this game. I just didn't know. You can't because the word of God yeah. says, be convinced in your mind. So if you truly believe that you don't or you do, and I've given you all the scriptures, hey, you know what? God bless you, man. You go in peace. <laughs> you have a, you have oh, a man. blessed day. Uh, Emily said, <laughs> I, I don't use cash. Oh, thank you so much. I see you guys in the comments. We truly appreciate you all. Um, I will thank you all again at yeah. the end. So that way I'm not stopping for it all, but I do appreciate you guys. Um. Oh, man. Oh, I was saying, Hello. I was thinking about something the other night, J.D., in regards to what we were just talking about. Um, when you think about it in the tense of what people are doing, like, like that, no one, none of them admit that they're working for salvation. None of them will admit that, even though the, it just doesn't fit in any other way to explain it. If you don't yeah. get this until the end and a condition must be met, then you are earning it. Like, regardless, at the end of the day, whenever a condition is met, that's me doing something. That's accomplishing something. Therefore, it is earning. Um, that takes away the glory from God. And I don't think they realize this because for every moment I'm focused on what I must do, I'm not focused on rejoicing in his name for saving me. So if I even spend, let's just say I spend 10% of my life stressed out about not losing salvation and doing this and doing this and looking at self. That's 10% of my life. I, that I could have been using to glorify God for the fact that he saved the wretched sinner that I am. And, and I never Amen. read in scripture at the, at the wedding feast where a single person is triumphant other than Jesus. But if I Amen. have to reach the end, then I'm triumphant. Then there's some glory for me. I did something that that guy didn't do. Oh, he fell away. I didn't like, no matter what they want to say, if the difference between Christian A and Christian B at the gates of heaven is Christian B worked harder, then you have a work by salvation. The only reason someone should not get into the gates of heaven is they don't know Jesus. And if Amen. they go in, they know Jesus. If no one who knows Jesus but failed the test should walk away from heaven. That would mean you yeah. did something better than him. I'm sorry, J.D. You know, when we talk about eternal security, I get real emotional. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? And I... I, I I used this analogy once. If if God is righteous, 
if this is the level of righteousness that Jesus Christ. Now, we, we look at the earthly ministry of, of Jesus Christ, and he walked out the law to perfection. He kept every Sabbath. He ate clean. He, he responded the way he was told to respond, or the scriptures expected all of Israel to respond to various trials and tribulations. Christ walked out, so he's reached that level. He's obtained that level of righteousness because of him fulfilling the law, walking out the law. Now, for a Christian who, who claims that they're keeping the law as Christ did, you are literally, you are literally saying that what Christ accomplished in the flesh is accomplishable by you and you will be able to stand before God, toe-to-toe -to -toe with God, and there will be no judgment on you because you have obtained righteousness in the flesh. Listen carefully to what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And I saw the comments as well. Catholics absolutely believe your works save you. They absolutely rely on their works. Yeah, they they save faith. They go to James 2.20 and, and they butcher the text all day long. We know that. I'll interject real quick on the Catholic true doctrine here. So in their catechism, it will make it clear that we are saved by grace through faith, right? It does It does verbalize that. However, it's not as black and white as, oh, we have their workspace and we're not. You got to go deeper than that. And if you're not willing to, then this isn't everybody's road. So the difference is in how we define grace and how grace is earned. So the salvation is a free gift. Grace becomes something you earn, and then you have these things called signal graces and different ways of receiving plen plenary graces and, and indulgences is more grace. So the difference is they can still say they believe in faith. However, we do things that can give us more grace or less grace. And if you run out of grace, you need more grace. So you got to go back and get that free grace. So it's free there. And they can still stand there on that freedom. You have to be able to look at it and say, wait a minute, we're playing a game with words here now, man, because yeah. you're working. Yeah. I don't care how much you call it free. It ain't yours to call free because it ain't yours to give. <laughs> like it's free because of how he gives it, not because of how you decided to give it. So I just wanted to interject because I'm a firm believer and let's represent them properly. So I wanted to just lay it out there that the normal Catholic who doesn't know the deepness of their doctrine, which a lot don't, won't, will, will be like, no, 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 it's not workspace. No, 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 no. Because it's not on the face. So, because Satan's not dumb all the yeah. way, by the way, either. Like someone, JD, you know, one of these false prophet people, I'm sorry, side note, said to me, the reason why they trust that celestial woman is because she's too deep to be untrue. Like, bro, Muhammad wrote a Quran. Are we really about to legitimize a prophet based on how deep they go? Bro, I will break down prophecies into your atoms if you're going to give me all your money. <laughs> Man. I prophesy yeah, that yeah. your atoms will split at a higher rate than any other atom. You're going to grow a third arm in the next 30 years. But you got to sow a seed. And, and here's the thing, like with, with all of them as well. And, and I'm, I'm almost, that video will be up after the podcast. I'll be posting uh, my, my reaction video to a, a certain prophetess. I should blind um, react to your reaction. <laughs> yeah, man, you, you, you can. You can, absolutely. But I've, I've been diligent. With with my reaction, and I'm bringing in a lot of biblical, uh, a lot of Bible verses, a lot of uh, context to the verses, which she's, uh, and I'm going to touch on the blasphemy of the uh, of the Holy Spirit in that in that video as well, 
which is completely Ooh. misrepresented by this. So hold on, hold on, profit. JD. Here, hold on, JD, because it sounds like you cooking. Start over. <laughs> okay, I'm definitely cooking because when people misrepresent Christ, you can still talk while I play sounds. The simple. That's that's what it is. Hold the on. simple are the. That could be good. Twenty-three thousand. Yeah, 23,000 all jokes aside, aside, I don't want to talk, but yes, that is the saddest part is how many people are viewing it and liking it. And it it just says a lot about Christian. I don't know, man. I'm just, I tell JD all the time privately that every day I'm seeing more how narrow the path is. And I'll be upfront with y'all. I see more about that, that we talk about one must be called by God and, and God has to really work on the heart. And we have these discussions here where we're willing to talk about what we don't know because it's impossible to know. And the more I am an evangelist and in the streets, the more you see like, man, the wickedness of man is deep. And, and it, it makes you say, man, was that how I was? God had to pull me because there's no way if I was like that, like I can't look at them and think I'm smarter than them. I know atheists that are smarter than me. I know atheists that are better men than me. I know atheists that are better fathers than me. I know atheists that are great men, according to the worldly things. And even first Corinthians says like, and even you, you were not of a reason that God saved you. He saved you because he uses what is weak in the world to show off his strength. So if anything, the Bible says the reason why we are saved is because we are weak, dumb, and stupid and ugly. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm just being honest there for a moment. Um, not it doesn't say the ugly part or the stupid. Well, no, it does say the dumb part. It just says it in a nicer way. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> all jokes aside, let's let, let's stick on topic. You know, we can accidentally jump around. All right. By faith. Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, I want to hit the next one, then we'll go back. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in the foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Uh, Let me see if there's anything more. We'll, we'll go we'll go further down in a moment. Let's stop right there. Noah and Abraham. I love them as examples. I saw someone ask earlier, JD, the faith without works. What does that mean? And I think that we over overread this, and I think this is a great place to look. Yeah. James and says I, I love to go. I love to go, go to Galatians. Sorry. I love to go read this this passage in in in, in line with Galatians chapter four. Because when we see the promise. The, the promise. I mean, even if you go to Romans chapter one, verses one through five, we see Paul mention the gospel that was promised by the prophets. And and we we see the sons and heirs, um, or we see where it is explained to us, where Paul in, in, in depth explains to the Galatian church who are now looking to subject themselves again to laws and ordinances because now they're trying to do something. Now mm-hmm. they're trying to do something to prove that they have faith. Again, your faith isn't something that cannot that, that can be proved by me or Mike. We can't measure your faith. Mm-hmm. We can't go, oh, that person's got a lot of faith uh, based on, on, on physical things we see. 
the the condition of your heart is is the measure of your faith so it, this is where we look at 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 those who are openly confessing i'm battling with certain sins those who are openly leaning on 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 christ when i see christians that are speaking to one another leaning on one another saying this is where i fall short this is my my area of weakness we we then see this sanctification process taking place in front of our eyes and we see true growth and 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 just speaking for for specific sisters in the faith right now kiera uh, mal selena um you know these these three sisters when they first started speaking you know to to me a year ago on discord versus right now and and the confidence they have in the word of god is because of diligent study we know that faith comes from god faith is not something we can just go and purchase at the store i'd like to top up on faith please that'll be two nine nine. Five, though, if you're looking for it yeah faith is given by god and how and again we go right back to the very first verse now faith is the substance of things hopeful and the evidence of things unseen so you you cannot you cannot grow, your faith cannot grow if your life, your life exemplifies the world or replicates the world. You know, this is why First John, and I mean, we both love First John. This is why we go through First John so diligently. This is, we see the Christian walk there. This is how the Christian ought to walk and talk. He doesn't at any point say, if you don't, your salvation is gone. Nada pinata. No, he says. This is how true Christians behave. True Christians confess their sin. True Christians own the sin. True Christians walk in the light and do not have fellowship with the darkness. Again, the faith that we have, God has given unto every single man a measure of faith. And our faith is grown as we spend time with God and in his word, diligently seeking him. Again, looking at that passage. From verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. He had to step. He had to step. And, and this yeah, he is didn't the say same bring thing me when we say step. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> Just bring man. This is the same. It works every time. I'm telling you guys, it's like, it's, it's un, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but it doesn't miss. It never misses. It never misses. I've got, this, I've got, a, I've got a vivid visual mind, man. So he pictures so Abraham it, sitting there on the ground, looking up at God, like, so you're going to bring me Canaan or what you said I can have it. <laughs> Exactly. He pictures today's version of Abraham. So this Abraham has a fedora on and he's got his ankles showing with his pants. The floods on. It's okay, JD. Um, so James, people ask about James. James is speaking about, uh, if you actually read the entirety of the thing, because you have to ask yourself when you get down to that faith part, when it says, what good is it? Ask yourself, what is he saying? What good is it for who? Where's it at? Um, okay, what what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith 
okay, well, wait a minute. What good is it? What what are we asking about when it comes to that good? Could there be another subject at hand? Could there be a topic that's being discussed? And from the moment that this letter begins and we go back to chapter one, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So we can deceive ourselves by being hearers and not doers. It talks about for anyone who's a hearer, not a doer, what they look like. Then it talks about don't show partiality. So it's wisdom being given by someone. In fact, James is referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament sometimes. And then after talking about how you treat others with this, he dives into what good is it if you say you have faith, but don't have works? Can that faith save him? Can that faith save him? And then it says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them anything in the need of the body, what good is that? So there's the what good. Ready? So now we know that he's not talking about what good is it for my salvation. He's saying that your words don't feed people. Your words don't warm people. Your words don't help people. My faith, if it's only words, won't save anyone. Because my faith with only words will lie to people. My faith with only words will, will, will barely reach people. And for the first time ever, and I'm just being honest with you guys, it's happening as we're speaking here. I think I fully understand this next portion. Because if this is the topic at hand about how my faith can impact others, then who? what better action is Abraham's action when it comes to completing his faith for the benefit of others? So if, if I'm looking at what Abraham is discussed as here, when we see what he's really talking about with Abraham, when I go back to here and I read it, he is literally pointing to how our faith can be utilized to save others, just as Abraham's faith is literally the reason we're all saved. Not because he had it, but because he demonstrated it. Because if Abraham doesn't go on that mountain, you and I don't know about his faith. He dies in his faith. He goes and spends eternity with God, but we're never taught his faith. Therefore, we not we don't chase that faith. We're not the children of the heirs of his faith. Like, do you understand how his faith was made complete by his works? And that's why we see faith in works. So just want to throw it out there. John, JD said it best. I think John really actually nails this home better than James does, even though they both say the exact same thing. And if you want this for later, go to first John chapter three. Exact same question, exact same this thing, but he's approaching it from a different angle. He says, here we go. If anyone, verse 17, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, so that sounds very familiar, doesn't it, right? We, we just had James say that. Yet closes his heart against him. James just said, you don't give him stuff, right? How does God's love abide in him? So instead of saying faith, he says God's love, right? So God's love without works is dead. That's what John's saying. Like if you're saying you have God's love and John says this yeah. later too, he says, if you say you love God, but hate your brother, you're a liar. He doesn't say you lost anything. He says, you're a liar. He opens the letter by saying, if you say, mm -hmm. you know, God and you walk in darkness, you're a liar. So John, mm -hmm. rather than saying faith without works is dead, he's calling you on your gut. And he says, wait a minute. You said you did what? How does God's love abide in you? Because you tell me you love God, but I know you got money and you just walk by someone who asked you. Now, am I saying every time you see a homeless person pull over? No, that's not what John is saying because you couldn't hit everybody. But what it does mean is that when someone says, excuse me, can you help? If you can help, you help, especially a brother. Like if someone you know says, can you help? And I love how 
look, man, one of my favorite smallest little portions. How does God's love abide in him? I love that line. Like that's like, yeah, what? Like solve the problem right there. And then he finishes it with the banger. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And that literally coincides with what JD pointed. Cause in this, in Galatians, somewhere throughout here, I don't know where exactly it says faith working through love. It's Galatians four or five. Um, oh, there it is, five. For in Christ Jesus, five. neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. There you go. We, there you go, JD. That's we it. just saw faith without works. We retire. Yeah. End of the episode. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming. Peace. <laughs> That's us. Um, oh, and, man. And absolutely. Absolutely spot on. And, and, and this is why I say when, when we look at the, the Ephesians 2 chapter and we see Paul make the claim that by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But you are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which was predestined by God beforehand. So we see when Paul's saying this, He's dealing with an audience. He's dealing with the church at Ephesus who are saying, what else can we do now that we're saved? And Paul is saying, there is nothing else you can do now that you are saved. James's audience is claiming to be saved, yet they're doing nothing. And, and, and we can see by Paul's letters, and, and, and as we go through Acts chapters 20 through 26, we can see that the, the, the Ephesian church, had extreme love for one another. They were helping one another. They were feeding one another. Even when Paul says goodbye to them, they all fall on Paul's neck and weep with him. So they're, they're saying, okay, now that we're saved, what else must we do? And Paul is saying, there's nothing else you can do. Carry on in the way you are carrying on. You guys are God's children now. You are now a part of the body of Christ where James is speaking to Jews who have converted to Christianity, believed on the Messiah, but literally watching their neighbors die of hunger going, well, at least I'm saved. He's like, are you, are you being for real right now? Don't you've got people. Next now, door. Yeah. Yeah. Like you've got, you've got people like in your street that are dying and you've got an abundance yet. You want to, you want to talk about your faith. Your faith is weak. This is, and again, this is why I say when it comes to biblical hermeneutics and exegesis of the text, we have to consider the chronological order. We have to consider the time frame. We have to consider who James is talking to and the audience he's addressing and why he is addressing them. There's, and, and this is why. What is when his we just, intent of the letter? Like, what is he even exactly, trying to accomplish? Exactly. And this is where Mark and I often go with the prophets who love to go to Ephesians chapter 5. They love going there. And he gave to them prophets, apostles, teachers, preachers. And we're like, bro, go read chapters two and three before you get there because it's it's broken down very clearly that this was the order of things. Hebrews 1 verse 1 makes it abundantly clear. In latter times, God spoke to the prophets, uh, uh, to the fathers through the prophets. But in these last days, he speaks to his son, Jesus Christ. Like, what hey, is first John tell us? <laughs> Did you read the beginning? Jeez, I mean, luck. I mean, and 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 uh, then. Nope. Our first freeze of the night. Not bad. Made it 48 minutes before his internet uh, poked us back. 
Let's see how is bad the propitiation. Of a John first John Chances Christ is uh, sorry. Yeah. You're back. Good old internet. But that's what we see. That's what we see. Amen. First John chapter two, verse one. We have an advocate in heaven when we sin, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, the propitiation for sins. Come on. I like that Paul even points at this in uh, about faith in 2 Corinthians 13. He doesn't say, oh, people always turn to Paul to try and prove that he says you can lose your salvation. They'll ignore everything he teaches. But then, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> I'm distracted now. I can't stand you Canadians. You don't know timing. Uh, yeah, so... Paul never actually talks about anything that would make you think you can lose your salvation. He rather see, I I've asked people before, what do you want Paul to say to people when, uh, to encourage them? Because he's encouraging them walk in the faith, do this, do that. People take this encouragement and this instruction as if you don't, the punishment is, and nobody ever inputs that punishment. They do the scripture. Look, you really want to really make them upset? Ask them, show me one time in scripture ever where someone indwelt with the Holy Spirit loses that. Show me one time. It's all implied by you. The Bible will go out the way to, to literally identify saints as saints indwelt with the Spirit. Like we are identified. We are separated. From the point saints become saints, they are never discussed again with non-saints. But you're telling me not once, not never once, not never, not never, not ever, ever, not once. It's not even mentioned not once, not once. Like, <laughs> look, examine yourselves to do what? To make sure that you follow the law to the best of your abilities and you always press share and don't scroll on or else you hate Jesus. No, that's right. It says examine <laughs> yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Stop. Listen to what that just said. If Christ is in you, you're saved. Don't you know that? You can test yourself because Christ be in you. Test yourself. He won't fail unless indeed you fail to meet the test and Christ not be in you. Is that the problem? Christ not be in you? And this is the truth of it. I'm about, I wish, of course, JD's dying over there, so he can't hear this part. But here's the real truth of it. Do you want to know why we should never be focused on preventing a Christian from losing his salvation? I don't know how to word that, but you know what they focus on. I'll tell you why. Because if we properly believe what the Bible says, the truth is once they got the Holy Spirit, he'll take care of it all. Our only goal should be get people to the Holy Spirit which means preach the gospel. So if, if you, you either believe the gospel and you're good or you need the gospel, regardless what you present yourself as, you either need the gospel or you've got the gospel. Man-made categories aside, whether you're called a Christian or not, I don't care. Throw it out the window, take a dump on it. You either believe the gospel or you don't believe the gospel. And if you don't believe the gospel, you need the gospel. If you believe the gospel, you got the spirit, you're good. And, and, and when I say you're good, it's not like leave them to the wolves. But what I'm saying is, so many Christians throw away sanctification that it's so upsetting. Like the Bible doesn't teach this idea of, okay, baby in the womb. Then the baby gets born again, you know, born again in the spirit. And then you pick up the baby and you drop it. Nobody does that. That's not how that works. That baby's got to, you know, walk his way up. So I get that. The, the baby has to grow, but he's a newborn creature. He can't lose that. You can't be unborn again, born, and then. JD, how many times have you been born again? 
Yeah, that's 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 exactly the the question I asked to people who have uh, tried to debate me on eternal security in the past. How many times can you be born? Number one. So if you can only be born once, you cannot enter back in again to your mother's womb. You cannot be born again more than once either. It's and a once-off. He probably would. I mean, Jesus Christ makes this so clear to Nicodemus, and this is again. Let's understand the passage. Jesus is not talking to Nicodemus about water baptism at all. Though he's talking about the water birth. He's talking about your first birth into this world. He's not talking about baptism. A lot of people like to say John 3, Jesus is talking about baptism. No, he's not at all. No. So someone asked in the question. <laughs> someone said, and this is unrelated to what we're talking about, but the, the passage I went to supports what we're talking about. Someone said that they've heard a Catholic told them that Jude 124 supports Mary being sinless. Uh, I have no idea why they would ever think that, but I'm glad we went here because it says now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to our only God, our savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time. And now and forever. Amen. No, yeah. that's not saying, you know what? I'll give them this. If Catholics want to say that this is what they need to see to say that Mary is sinless, then that means we're all sinless because whatever this is applies to all of us. So if they want to say yeah. that Mary is sinless in the sense that she has the spirit of God in her and therefore sin is not counted against her, then I would actually agree because I'm sinless in that aspect. And so is JD. And so is every believer because our sin is only in our flesh. It's not in our spirit anymore. Um, yeah. However, this is what that means. You see, he can present me blameless because it's his spirit in me. He walks in me. He cleanses me. Just like when the woman who was unclean touched Jesus, she became clean because he's so clean that dirtiness becomes clean when it comes in contact with him. So this is also defense of eternal security, which I'm sure JD can break this down a million ways from Tuesday. Yeah, and also you've got to, again, let's let's look at the entire letter. Jude starts his letter off by saying, I was going to write you an epistle. I was going to write to you about the faith we all share, but then I had to drop what I was doing to exhort you and to warn you to contend for the faith which was once delivered unto all the saints. Look at the greeting here. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, brother of James. Who's the brother of James? Half-brothers of Christ. These two grew up with Jesus. To those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Well, there's a shocker right there. Jude believes in the Trinity. <laughs> who would have thunk it? May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. And then he goes on to talk about judgment on the false teachers. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. What is our common salvation? How we believe that Christ Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and rose again on the third day. I found it necessary to write to you appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God to sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So Amen. we see we see these churches all over the place. I love that you asked to go to the top of this, JD, because it's funny because with me dealing with the people um, over the false prophet stuff, which I'll be honest with you guys, I, you all know me. So, you know, I actually don't enjoy this. I would rather teach. Like I have so much more fun teaching. People think I enjoy this. No, but I can't not do what God puts on my heart. Regardless though, I always get the, 
why do you have to do it publicly? Why do you, why do you have to even do it? Just leave them alone and pray for them. Jude literally says, I was finna write about the gospel, but I can't. So if anyone dares to tell you that pointing to protecting the flock is less important than the gospel, let me teach you something. The gospel saves. Yes, people being misled affects the gospel reaching more people. So therefore, protecting people is equal. It's up there. The flock especially, right? Like, I don't know if you realize this, but Jude is literally making it so clear right here. Like, this is what I must contend for because I must protect people that are denying our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that might not be what everybody's called for. And we might need to do that episode one day, J.D. Um, Mm. The Mm. roles of men and women in the church beyond the preach. Everybody always asks about preaching. I don't care. The roles of men of God and women of God, because I've run across this argument constantly that whenever you get these two, because of the way that the Bible speaks to us, there'll be conflict. I think I've told you before that the number one pushback that I always get um, from women has always been about the uh, defending your family and taking a life. They're like, no, thou shalt not kill. No, thou shalt not kill. And I'm always like, I get that you think that I'm not supposed to defend my family to that point, but the word of God makes it clear that we're called to defend windows and children and protect our family. It even says whoever does not provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. Women aren't called to that. So you don't read the scripture with that sense. So you see Jesus saying, turn the cheek. And you think that means even if my wife is being great. No, no, no. Like, so we're called differently. Same thing with wolves, right? We're women. I don't, I'm sorry, guys. I don't see women ever called to call out false prophets. Now, do they? Obviously, we know that they do. I mean, even Priscilla wasn't calling out a false prophet, but her and her husband corrected Apollos, her and her husband, right? But she was out there active and and working. But again, if we're not going to, we need to, we need to do that episode. I'm confident that that's one that we need to go ahead and put in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Where were we at? Okay, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Because there's some parts of Hebrews I definitely want to hit. Um. We were reading this already, and I love this part right here. It says that by faith he went to live in the land of promise as in the foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Well, Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 says that we are his fellow workers. We are God's building. In Hebrews chapter 2, it says that Jesus is the one in charge of building God's house, which is us. Ephesians chapter 2 says the saints are the house of God. And then John chapter 8, Jesus says that Abraham looked looked forward to my day and rejoiced to see it. So when I see that Abraham was looking forward to the city uh, that has foundation, whose designer and builder is God, uh, I believe that this is exactly what Jesus was referencing, right? And then it says, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised, therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand on the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. Oh, my goodness. There's so much meat there, but I wanted to. All right. We got to stop there. Um, I love right here that they did not receive the things promised. 
but they have seen and greeted them from afar, right? These prophetic word, they knew what was coming. And people have asked, how were people saved in the Old Testament? And J.D. and I have talked about it. I heard J.D. mention it on this episode, the everlasting gospel that was preached all the way back to Abraham. It's always been about the promise of God. And even though they didn't receive it, they knew it was coming. And they considered themselves strangers to the world. What does that mean? They believe that they belong to God. They were not of this world. And therefore, they kind of separate themselves from it. I'm going to give JD a second to see if he's going to say anything. Amen, bro. Absolutely. Spot on. I got to check with the delay. I don't want to start reading. And then you'd be like, and yeah, and then, you know, um, for people who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son. So this is really what I wanted to get to. Um, was Isaac Abraham's only son? Just would love to know if any, what everybody's opinion on that is. I can't, we didn't gassed up uh, momentum to think he's funny and now he's pulling everything out. He said, man, Abraham was so smart. He knew a lot. That was a bad <laughs> Go ahead and just go. Ahead and it just took go me a second that. to get that. <laughs> he knew um, a lot. So yeah, the answers are now coming uh, in. No, obviously Isaac wasn't his only son. So what is, what is this author writing? Well, wait a minute. This word right here. What is that word? Hold on. So in your Bible, depending on your Bible, it might actually say that it's Abraham's only begotten son. So if that word begotten means what we think it means, and this can't work. Well, that word monogenes, which in this form is monogene, is the same word we see here. So Jesus and Isaac are known as the only begotten sons of someone. The only begotten, the unique, the monogenes, meaning that despite the fact that Abraham had another child. That child was a child of disobedience. It wasn't meant to be there, and it's not his child as far as the brightful seed. Likewise, Jesus being referred to as the only monogenes isn't because he's born. People look at this begotten, and they say, begotten, see, born. They, 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 they were, no, that's not what it's saying, actually. It's identifying that Jesus is a unique son of God. Now, why is this important? The problem is a lot of people don't realize this because a lot of Christians today don't study the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, being a son of God is not a new term. Now, not everybody is a son of God, but the sons of God, the B'nai Elohim, are actual divine beings. So if, if Jesus just shows up and John writes down he's a son of God, well, then he's just another one of these divine beings. And we know that Jesus is not just some divine being. There has to be a distinction between who is Jesus versus the sons of God in the Old Testament. Well, the Bible goes out of its way to make it clear that he is the only unique son of God, meaning he's not born of God. He is God. He is the only one like him. There is none like him. There is no other. He is not like any other son of God. Um, so this is why that word is really drawing a very uniqueness. Even when we open up the Greek lexicon, if you're watching on YouTube, you get to watch this. Let's go ahead and click on that word only and take a look at the Greek lexicon um, of children only born. Uh, um, and then only, that's it. It just says it's of children 
only born, which is a dash in the middle, meaning your only child, and then that word only. So seeing that we know that that's not how it's being used, we know that this is meaning an only in another way. Abraham, the only seed, and for God, his only true heir, uh, which is Christ in the flesh. Um, and let me see if there's any other uses of, in the text. John 1.14, that same word is also the word that we see um, saying, uh, the only son as well. So it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So there's another use of that word monogamy. And then we see it. We see it, uh, as someone else's child, a widow and yeah, only child. So that's about it. Is JD back yet? I'm trying to kill time before he gets back. So there we go. Just wanted to go ahead and I know that was unrelated to what we were talking about tonight, but I think it's a, an interesting thing to point out because you might get people that ask you about why is that word begotten there? And I don't like the fact that they use the word begotten originally because it does sound like being born of the like being born. Um, but that again, when we see that that's the same word being used for Isaac, I believe that's a strong understanding that it's not referencing uh, his status as being created or born of, but rather the promised uh, uh, promised child, promised seed, promised one. Let's continue. Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau, by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each one of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Notice how it says here that Moses felt considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. His eyes were centered on Christ in the Old Testament. Why? Because Christ is God. For he was looking to the reward. The reward. What is that reward? So 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that this isn't salvation. Why do I know that? Because 1 Corinthians 3 actually separates rewards from, um, from salvation. And we can see that here. Uh, when it talks about how everybody's works will be tested in the fire, it then says this, if the work that anyone has done has built on the foundation, that's the foundation of Christ, survives, he will receive a reward. Then it says, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. So clearly rewards are not the same as being saved because if he's not getting a reward, but he's still getting saved, then there's a difference here. Now, I point that out because a lot of times we see Paul telling us to run the race for these rewards. And it talks about Moses looking to these rewards because as Christians, we do serve God and, a, and we serve a God who rewards his children. Right. So, yes, I'm not sitting here saying that we do anything to earn salvation. However, as children, you don't do things that want to make your parents proud and 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 make them happy and make them want to bless you. Right. So we all 
uh, uh, want rewards from our father. That doesn't mean we're trying to earn salvation. Uh, Samantha asked, what is the suffering of loss? So there's going to be some discussions on that, but I truly believe, oops, sorry. When we're looking here, we're seeing a God that's testing people in their lives. Uh, so for example, have we not realized that everyone who claims to be a Christian, but then ends up building upon that foundation with bad things, it always comes to light. No one's saying that they're not saved, but they allowed sin to creep in. I'm going to use a, an example that might hurt some people because it's a rough one. Ravi Zacharias. I don't know if he was unsaved or not. I know that his work as a Christian was amazing and I loved it. And then I found out about what he was doing at the end of his life. And I'm like, that is disgusting. I can't say that he was unsaved. But what I can say is no matter what, God is not happy about that. And everything comes to light. People die. People get punished. God punishes his children, which we're going to talk about in Hebrews 12. We could suffer loss. Uh, I mean, I've seen people that built upon the foundation of Christ and, and with, with sticks and stones and then their, their lives fall apart because God loves you and he's going to bring you back. And he warns you that when you build upon sand, that foundation will crash. Now, granted, luckily, the foundation of Christ, nobody can remove. Look what it says right here. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And then it goes on saying, Man. now, if anyone builds on the foundation and it continues talking about these things, that's going to be tested. So how we build upon our foundation with Christ. For example, let's say I started a church, but then my church didn't really follow a line with what Christ wanted. And I wasn't setting a good example for Christianity. We preached the gospel, but we weren't setting an example. Maybe some bad shady things happened. I'm not doing proper management as a shepherd. And even though, again, we're preaching the gospel, we're giving a bad name to Christianity. You don't think God going to punish me? Like, I'm just being honest. Do you think God's okay with, even though we're preaching the gospel, if my assistant pastor was cheating on his wife and my uh, church lady that I should have been watching was stealing some money and, you know, like we got code violation codes for health codes. We're preaching the gospel though, right? So I could build upon that foundation by being walking in ways I shouldn't be walking, walking in uh, some shadows and God will punish us. Um, and that's what I believe we see here as far as uh, suffering loss. Yeah. Though he himself will be saved. Okay. <laughs> hey, welcome back, JD. JD, you want to take over in Hebrews 11? Um, because uh, I think this is where it's going to start getting into a lot more fun stuff. Um, but by faith, he left Egypt. That's where I'm at. Oh, JD left. JD disappeared. He's not even in the waiting room. Okay. So if JD comes back, he comes back. If not, we'll continue moving. Uh, so let's roll. So by faith, he left Egypt. And I love that in this, we see by faith, they did. By faith, they did. And I don't think you guys realize this because we act like faith is somehow absent of our decisions, but everything we do, we do because of our faith. And I don't just mean Christianity. Ready? Everything an atheist does, they do based on faith. They don't want to admit that, but the truth is faith just means trust and confidence. And I don't know about you, but every decision we make every day is based on our trust and our confidence. I get in my car because I trust it will start. I, I, I lock my door because I trust the lock will work. If I don't trust something, I treat it differently. If I don't trust that my tire looks good, I'm like, mm, I, don't, I don't trust that. Right? Every decision I make, I get on a plane because I trust planes. We, and we put our trust in things based on evidence that can't actually prove it, but rather gives us a reason to have confidence. For example, I can't actually prove to you all my wife loves me. I can't, I can't prove that. Like without a reason, beyond a reasonable doubt, I can't. However, I can put my trust in the fact that she loves me based on the evidence that I've seen. 
every day, the way she treats me and the way she is there for me. Same thing with different things. I can trust that my car will start tomorrow. I can't actually prove my car will start tomorrow until we get to tomorrow and start it. But I can base that on evidence of, uh, of experience that it will start. Sorry, JD. You know, I'll carry it on. We only got 20 minutes left until we roll into the after show. So I will do my best to hold it down for you, brother. Um, and don't worry, we will get the internet bumping. If for some reason your internet decides to work better, hop back in. Um, you know how to get back in here. Everybody, it's okay. You don't got to leave because Jeddy's leaving. I'm just, by faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. I think anyone prior to Moses, when we look at their faith, it's just remarkably beautiful. Like, I just want to be honest with you guys. I want you to think about it. If you have not watched His Only Son yet, you need to. And if the people in Discord don't know how to access it and you guys want, I can stream it on Discord. I have access to it in HD, and I can actually stream it on um, on Discord. I don't have to be present for it. I can hit stream and, and go away. But I really think it was a great movie for really giving you an understanding of something. And again, I don't think we think about this. We often read scripture from our time frame. And we look at these people like they should know what I know already. I mean, let's just be very honest. When you open up the Bible, you know the end already. I mean, when is the last time that you read John 3 and came across uh, For God So Loved the World, you read it like it was the first time? Like, oh my goodness, what? No, you know it. Yeah, God So Loved the World. Okay. And you know Jesus is God, right? And there's these certain things. I think we forget that Abraham had nothing. When I say nothing, I mean there is no Bible. There is no evidence that God has not failed someone. There is no evidence that God is trustworthy. In fact, his understanding of gods are non-trustworthy gods. Gods that people sacrifice to and sacrifice to and sacrifice to and sacrifice to and never come through. That's his experience. I know I made a joke video with my little animation, but it legit was just, Abram, Abram, I got something for you. And Abram's like, okay, Lord. That's... We don't even, listen to me, you Christians, me Christian too, we struggle trusting God when we have this, Hebrews 11. Look, we don't have a lot of time, so let's just go to the fast part, and let me show you why we, we suck. Actually, you know, let's just jump to it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, stop there. Sadly, it bothers me that a lot of people misinterpret this because they try to use this to prove saints can hear you from heaven, the Catholics. They'll say, look, see, we have a cloud of witnesses. Look at me. A witness in the Bible is not someone watching you. Witnessing in the Bible is testimony. That is why the commandment is don't bear false witness because witness is testimony. We don't have a cloud of people watching us. That would literally make no sense. To, we literally just got all this testimony of who these people were and how God lived through it. I mean, followed it through with his uh, promises. And then it's going to say like, and therefore they're watching us. No, it's about God. We have a cloud of witnesses, meaning we have all these testimonies saying, hey, I, I doubted too, but then God came through. Hey, I doubted and God came through. Hey, I failed and God came through. Hey, I was nothing and God came through. I lived in nothing and God came through. We have testimony, 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 biblically and outside the Bible. And yet today we still have people whose doubt, uh, faith gets, I mean, goes through some struggles. Abraham had none of that. All he had was this, Abram. 
Abram. Go to the land that I said. And then, on top of that, he had to wait. Like, hey, I, I thought you were supposed to give me a kid. To the point where Sarah was like, all right, just go in there with the slave. You're going to get your kid one way or another. And then he does that. And then he waits longer. And then, after all that, still no Bible. He don't know nothing about this God yet. Like, yes, God has delivered him out of some battles. So he's won some battles. And God has definitely demonstrated his power. Not saying he hasn't yet. However, Abraham still doesn't really know God that well yet. And, and God says, hey, go grab that son of yours that I promised you. Give him back. And I love how his only son points to what I I pretty am, I'm pretty sure had to be going through Abraham's mind, which is, did I mess up when I had Ishmael? I, li I like that they really focused on that because I think that's what would have been going through his head. People act like he just knew. People like he just knew God wasn't going to. No, no, no. Faith is faith. But that doesn't mean that there wasn't fear in there. Faith means I trust you even if you take my son. Abraham didn't go up there knowing for a fact God wasn't going to do it. If anything, the Hebrews 11 passage tells us that Abraham trusted that God can bring him back from the dead. But he never doubted that God was going to let him put that knife through him. And he still did it. And, and, and that's one. So when we read this part, therefore, since we have, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith let's read that one more time because if you ain't getting mm, I do therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen, Kenny. He might not have knew what God had planned, but he did it. Uh, that, that Kenny, you know what uh, I think? Uh, I th I think about when I think about Abraham. One time when I was street preaching, someone asked me a question about like, how do I get out there? I said, stop thinking about what you're gonna do when you get there. Just let go where God calls you and let Him take over when you get there. And I believe that that's what we're called to do sometimes with faith. Sometimes we want to think about what happens at the destination before we even take off, and we let our fear of the destination give us a, a anxiety about even taking off. If Abraham would have allowed the fear of the destination to stop him, he never takes that walk. However, God never said you can't think about the destination on the walk, but let the walk begin. I tell people all the time, I never want to actually preach in the street. I get filled with anxiety, butterflies in my stomach, but I know if I just bring myself to where God wants me, when I get there, he'll handle it. He will give me the courage needed. He will give me the strength needed, but I got—I just got to get there. I be telling people all the time, don't, I love what my wife said in a video recently about this rule, this five second rule that when you need to do something, count to five and then get up and start moving so your body knows it's time to go. The body knows it's time to go. I heard he, yes, he, I heard he survived. I heard that he's actually doing a lot better, Abby. I don't know 
uh, to the extent. But um, now I want you to keep, well, this is really what I wanted to hit you with because I want you guys to take this into this year because this is what we should be looking at. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you not, I mean, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be wary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. Stop. Did you see it? So when people try to talk to you about endurance being to be saved, it's not. It's to make you be more like him. The entire Bible talks about the spirit conforming you, Jesus changing you, Jesus coming into your body and your heart and making a home there. He says, we will make a home. We will conform you. It is the spirit changing you. And he does it through discipline. Now, that doesn't mean that this can't go longer than it needs to because you do have the freedom to grieve the spirit. You're not going to lose salvation. It's going to hurt more. Remember we talked about it earlier, earlier, suffering great loss. I want you to think about it this way. If the spirit is convicting me to break a habit and I fight against the spirit, it's going to hurt me a lot more. He's going to convict me more. I might suffer more loss. God might take things from me. But he's going to get both of us there. Listen how it explains it and, and let the word of God be the reason why you believe it, not me. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Stop. Because the rest is going to get a lot heavier. He does it. Why? For our good that we may share his holiness. So the first thing we see here is we, our fathers disciplined us for their own reasons and we respected them. God is doing it for your good and to let you share in his holiness, respect his discipline. And then it talks about if he didn't discipline you, he didn't love you. If you don't get disciplined, you're an illegitimate child. Lord discipline me mm, mm, over here. Don't forget about me. I'll snitch on myself. Lord, I lied the other day and I took a candy, whooped me, disciplined me. But listen what it says. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Go back to the beginning real quick. It is for discipline that you have to endure. And when we endure our discipline, what does it yield? Peaceful fruit of righteousness. By who? I mean, to who? Those who uh, endured? No, no, no. Those who have been trained by it. Your endurance will determine how long that might take. Like, I I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. Some people's going to be a little bit long. I'm just saying mine took a while. 
And I suffered lost. And I can't, I don't know what God has taken from me or did for me, but I don't know if God, if the reason that some people have been taken from my life was for me or other people. The addiction I fell into, the homelessness, I mean, that, that a lot of things that happened to me. And maybe it's because I also, I pushed against the spirit for a long time. Heck, a lot. He says that for the moment, the discipline that God is putting you through is painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields. It doesn't say, but if you get through it, if you endure, if you do enough, if you work hard enough, if you stay faithful, it does not say that. If he's disciplining you, it will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. It's going to hurt. But it will yield it. And I love this next part because this is what we need to take into this year because this year might be a harder year for us because the Lord might be disciplining us while also disciplining the world and who knows what type of judgment is coming, but we should not let that cause us to drop our heads. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Every single, there's 111 of you on here. Let the word of God speak. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet. Why? So that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. You heard that? You heard that? So that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Then he says, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. If you allow your head being down, if your bitterness of God to cause your walk to be different, that will prevent the grace of God from reaching someone. Would you not agree? Like, be honest. Go back to the last time you ran across somebody that you were able to bless or pour into or just pray for or just, just be there for. Was there not an opportunity in that day where you might not have been there if you would have allowed bitterness based on your own consequences? I've had situations where my head is down, where I walk out this door upset. And because I'm walking out this door upset, my head is down and I'm in, I'm going to where I got, I'm just focused on, man, I don't, I don't care. No, I don't got a dollar. Leave me alone. No, I don't got time. No, I'm not holding a door for nobody. Ain't never happened to y'all. I know it has for me. That's one person. The grace of God might not reach because I allowed this root of bitterness to spring up and cause trouble. And that root of bitterness in me has now defiled others around me. Instead of planting seeds, I'm planting weeds, which suck, suck up all the nourishment. Do not let what God is doing to you to make you better, make you worse. Just That's why I be telling y'all, man, I'm not worried about tomorrow or yesterday. Just serve God today. Oh, we got three minutes left. Good way to uh, to close it out. Let me bring it up here. I made my video the other day talking about this. We need to really, I hate that we have to talk about it. I feel like Jude on this aspect. I wish that we didn't have to talk about salvation. I really don't. I wish we could talk about the gospel and how to get others salvation. I meant, I don't, I wish we didn't have to talk about our own salvation because that's focused on me. That's a lot of talking about us. That's not talking about them. It's not talking about people that need the word of God, but rather it's, how do I make sure I'm saved? Tell me, is there any difference between my head down for bitterness or my head down for fear? Is there any difference between my head down for bitterness or my head down from stress? 
Is there any bitterness uh, difference between bitterness head down or head down from exhaustion? So if the fear of losing my salvation can lead to exhaustion, stress, anxiety, depression, and head down in all of those, how is that any different than this one? I said it to earlier on the show to JD. I really believe it. Like, I just can't see how that doesn't change the gospel. Because to me, the fact that I can't do anything is even more reason for me to rejoice in his name. And in scripture, all I see is rejoicing in his great glory because he's the savior. I feel like if I play a part in that, then I'm not, then he's not all. He had to cooperate with me. Like, I don't know if you know this, but when two people or entities cooperate, they both get credit. So when we have, I know we've been picking on the Catholic church tonight, but their doctrine literally refers to it as a cooperation between man and God. That's what salvation is. God does the act of saving first. He initiates it, but man's cooperation is required. I don't know if you know this, but like if I bring you guys in to do a cooperative thing with me, it's going to say true Christian ministry and your name because that's how cooperating works. You brought something to the table. I brought absolutely nothing to the table for Jesus. If anything, he had to bring the table to me because I couldn't even meet him at the table. That's why he came down from heaven. He brought the table down to me and then hung from the table for me. Not only did he bring the table to me, he had to hang from it for me. And people want to have the audacity about talking about losing salvation tomorrow. Like I did enough years ago to never be saved ever. Years ago, I did enough for God to literally destroy me. Years ago. Years ago. And people talk about, can I lose salvation? It's, it's I'm telling you, it's really... The, the lack of understanding of sin. I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. And we need to find a way to enlighten people to understand the gravity of sin while continuing to preach grace. And that's the problem in this world. You got Christians that preach sin the way it should be, but don't talk about no grace and no gospel and just make people be scared to death. Then you got people to talk about all the blood of Christ, everything, but ain't no sin to wash off. It's just a blood party. Like just, it's like the opening scene of a uh, blade and, and all the blood sprinklers go off, but ain't no sin to be cleaned up. Cause don't nobody even know about the sin. Just, they just be like, throw the blood everywhere. No, that's not how that work either. Yeah. He showed up, flipped the table. Then he got hung by the table. All of it. Can you have the Holy spirit with unrepentant sin? I'm going to say no, because the question is incorrect. And here's why unrepentant sin doesn't make sense to me because that's implying that there's repentant sin. I don't believe that there's repentant sin because I don't look at the word repentant as forgive uh, uh, that I've asked for forgiveness. So it sounds like what you mean is sin on your heart that you're not ashamed to, uh, or that you haven't asked for forgiveness on. But the truth is repentance isn't that. We work out our repentance. We live it out. If we take a look real quick, uh, uh, momentum, let's go to Acts 26 because that's where I know how to find it the quickest. That's the main reason I go here. But I think this is a great uh, spot. It says that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. If we go to Mark chapter one, right? If we go to Mark one, we see uh, that I didn't spell Mark one properly. If we go to Mark one, what am I spelling? I must be typing in with Canadian language. It's my fault, guys. If we go to Mark 1 and we scroll down, we should see him saying it because John says it in every single gospel. Where's John at? Oh, here we go. I know I have it uh, highlighted somewhere, so I'm just going to go to Matthew, so I don't got to keep looking for it. 
Matthew. Ah, here it is. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. You get the point. The scripture constantly tells us about bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. So that's the first thing I want to point at, that our walk isn't about like repenting every day, but rather walking in the repentance that we had when we met the Lord, because the word repentance is to have that change inside in ways that I can't explain. And when that changes, I then live that change out. Now, to what I think you're saying, uh, is it possible to have the Holy Spirit with sins on your heart that you have not come to the Lord about or you're not sorry about, etc.? Uh, absolutely, because that's every single day, because I guarantee you that you're not aware of all the sins that you committed today because we're pretty naive human beings. We, Yeah, we notice the big ones. Yeah. Obviously, if I kill somebody today, I would notice that like that. that I don't I don't do that one unconsciously. Uh, however. Seeing that the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and might, as Jesus tells us, I break that one a lot. For example, when I first woke up today, what was the first thing I did? I did not drop to my knees and pray this morning. That's not what I did. I actually woke up and went and took my medicine. I didn't end up praying for about 20 minutes. That's a, that's a sin. Now, we're not under the law, but my point is, if we understood the gravity of our sin, we would understand that everybody's going to die with sin on them that they didn't ask for forgiveness of. Because you don't count all your sins. You notice the big ones. Yeah, yeah. If you abandon your kids, that's not exactly a whoopsie whoopsie, right? Um, except unless you're just going to work every day and you consider that abandoning them. Uh, if you're coming back, right? So... Now, if you ask me, can someone be filled with the Holy Spirit while being about while abandoning their, abandoning their, their yeah. abandoning their kids? I would say that that's a tricky one as well because we don't we don't have the authority to judge and we don't know what a person with the Holy Spirit's going through because they could be filled with the Holy Spirit going through a season and battling with some serious things and being disciplined as well. Right. We just talked about God will discipline you and he will take from you and you will suffer loss. Right. So there's no way for me to just assume. Now, if someone's been living in active sin like cheating on their wife every day and just living in this, then I'm not going to look at them as someone saved. I can't say that they're unsaved. And I think this is the difference. Instead of us thinking we can judge who is saved or not, we should make the judgment on who I will treat as saved or not. Because if I don't think you're saved, then I should treat you as someone who needs the gospel. It's not my job to say you're saved or not. Right? Like someone could be like, Mike, I'm saved. Why do you always preach the gospel to me? I'm be like, hmm, well, I know you say that. Want to make sure that we on on the same page with this uh, gospel thing, because at the end of the day, like we don't know. So like I never like to be like just cut and dry, like yes. But if someone is living in some constant sin, they're either super grieving him or no, they're liars. That's why John says what anyone who walks in darkness but says they have fellowship with the Lord, they are liars, right? So that's what I'm looking at, really. Obviously. I, I would ever I would be the biggest hypocrite in the world to think like if a man has a has a moment and he abandons his kids and then he's coming back next week because he made a dumb decision. Yo, I make dumb decisions. Right? I haven't abandoned my kids, but man, I didn't get upset and did some stupid things. And I need grace just as much as everybody else. Right. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I love him so much. But with that being said. I'm about to hop off here and go over to TikTok and hang out with y'all there. And tonight I plan on hopping on the True Ministry Gaming um, channel for a little bit uh, and playing a little Assassin's Creed Mirage in Baghdad because that's what I've been playing. But other than that, guys, I'm loving being on this iPad right now. The quality, I'm telling you.
I got to actually uh, make sure I shave now because you guys can actually see my uh, uh, actual face and stuff uh, instead of just a gray blob. Oh. So Momentum Canada, I would actually advise you, oops, I would actually advise you real quick to read this just because, so if, th if this isn't a season, if this is a legit forever, this is actually uh, the proper scripture is that I would say they don't know Jesus uh, because of this one right here. Because this is actually a pretty scary one. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So, uh, That's a that's a pretty serious one. So uh yeah. If they really poofed and gone for a long period. What verse is that? <laughs> I will never share. It is 1 Timothy 5:4. No. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 8. And actually this is where it also talks about um people persisting in sin and how to treat elders, but I think it also talks about uh Never mind. I thought this was going to be the one about if a person does not work, he shall not eat. No, though, this is it. Hold on. I could have swore it was there. I know it's in there somewhere, but I love the verse that also says, um, for the for the one who will not work, let him not eat. Like, I don't think people realize this. We're called to be charitable and help each other. But if someone's lazy, oh, nah, you don't need to eat, bro. Nah. Nah, you ain't willing to get up and help. Same thing with that. Yeah, if you're not willing to take care of your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. Let that be known. Can't hide behind your fake faith at that point. All right. God bless. I hope you guys have an amazing night. If you're going to be over on TikTok, then I will see you there. Um, if not, then I will see you guys back here Wednesday uh, night. Now, I know that last time my wife was on the live with me, we mentioned Wednesday night possibly being the night that she comes on. I will make sure to keep that announced. I think it's 100%, but I just got to double check. So that therefore, if you have questions specifically that you want her to be able to answer with me and JD or however we're doing it, uh, go ahead and submit them into uh, the email. So yeah, links all down there. Um, yeah. See you guys later. God bless. And as always, go in peace. And let's see if I can do the timing here. Oh, nope. I couldn't find it. God bless and go in peace, guys. Okay.